You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. Hello and welcome to Columbia Calling. I'm Emily Hart and today I'm talking to ZZK, one of the top music labels in the world for Latino electronica, digital and experimental cumbia and rainforest electro. From a Wednesday night party in Buenos Aires to a global record label, ZZK are now celebrating 15 years working in the business. The collective started out working with a lot of digital cumbia artists. Many of these artists started out by mixing traditional Latin American rhythms with modern electronic touches, nodding always to the folkloric Colombian dance music that spread across the continent in the 1940s. The cumbia beat itself has mixed origins, born on the coast of Colombia, from indigenous, Afro-descendant and Spanish traditions. The now huge digital cumbia scene was incubated in large part due to ZZK's parties and music label, which exploded into a community of artists whose experiments with blending unlikely sounds and styles have continued ever since, bringing cumbia from Colombia, through the barrios of Argentina, and through an experimental digital wave, now to a phenomenon which plays worldwide. I've got two of ZZK's co-founders in the studio, as well as the lead of new Colombian signing and Bogota phenomenon, Los Cotopla Boys. We'll be talking rhythms, parties and the experimental scene in Colombia, as well as reggaeton, K-pop and how to survive as an indie record label. And at the end of the show, I'll be giving you guys an exclusive listen to a brand new track by ZZK artist Montoya. All of that on its way, but first, your top news stories for this week. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling podcast is also proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Colombia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand, from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's columbiacalling.co, or the Plan My Trip form on the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you again. More major reforms have been proposed to Congress. 
notably a health reform of 152 articles, seeking to create medical coverage for the whole country without dependence on insurance, promising a preventative system and comprehensive coverage. The reform proposes a mixed model. Both private and public entities will administer health care, including regionally organised primary care centres, which will also carry out home visits to families. The reform promises self-regulation for the sector and improved working conditions for health workers. The consolidation of a single information system is also planned, in which all activities and transactions of the sector will be recorded in order to better audit, monitor and follow up indicators, processes and the use of resources. Private healthcare providers, which currently function on something similar to the US model, have responded by saying that the reform threatens decades of progress, that it consists of a nationalisation and an imposition of state monopoly, and that it discards the knowledge of those bodies in favour of new public entities which lack the experience to carry out their functions. They have also criticised the notion of primary care centres, saying that the separation of primary care and hospital care will fragment services and cause more bureaucracy. The law for submission to justice has also now been published, providing a period of two years for members of armed groups to voluntarily turn themselves in. It offers a maximum sentence for those who do of 12 years, of which maximum eight would be spent in prison and four engaged in restorative processes for victims. In regards to illicit wealth, a 2014 law has been reinforced, allowing a criminal actor to keep 6% of their wealth, having handed over assets and resources. The model does not envisage new judges or procedures as such, just the substitution of the sentence if the person does contribute to truth, restoration, guarantee of non-repetition or the dismantling of criminal structures. Colombia's president, Gustavo Petro, has now signed the decree permitting him to assume regulation functions for three months over energy and gas tariffs. He says that he has done so in order to lower energy prices. The Energy Regulation Commission has spoken out against the decree, saying the institutional framework is being put at risk by undermining its independence and that it may distort market behaviour. One third of Colombians suffer from food insecurity, according to the UN's World Food Programme. This constitutes more than 15 million people, 2.1 million of whom face insecurity categorised as severe the Pacific and Caribbean regions saw food insecurity rise by 40% last year. The departments of Sucre and Cordoba have food insecurity of over 60%. President Gustavo Petro has been declared a persona non grata in Peru, meaning he will not be able to enter the country. It was an initiative by the Peruvian Congressional Foreign Relations Committee after Petro said publicly that in Peru, the police march like Nazis against their own people. Peru has been in turmoil since December, when then-president Pedro Castillo announced that he was dissolving Congress and introducing a state of emergency, but Congress voted to impeach him. For more than two months since, Peru has seen mobilizations demanding early elections and the resignation of now-president Dina Boluarte. The protests have been met with a violence described by Amnesty International as lethal repression with a marked racist bias. Peru's top prosecutor has launched an inquiry into President Dina Boluarte and key ministers over weeks of clashes that have left dozens of people dead. Some officials are being investigated on charges of genocide as well as homicide. 
It is not yet clear what the repercussions will be for diplomatic relations. Colombia currently has no ambassador to Peru. It will certainly be a complicating factor for Petro's regional goals, especially regional integration on issues like energy and the Amazon rainforest, around 10% of which is in Peru. Meanwhile, Petro and Venezuela President Nicolas Maduro have signed an agreement to boost trade links between the two countries, updating tariffs and terms, laying the grounds for the expansion of trade. More children than ever will make the dangerous crossing of the Darien Gap to reach Panama by land from Colombia, often bound for the United States, the United Nation has announced. The UNICEF agency estimates that around 300,000 migrants are likely to make the crossing this year. More than 60,000 of them are likely to be minors, at least 20%. Last year saw nearly 250,000 people make the crossing. Though the route used to be dominated by adult migrants, many families now make the journey. In January of this year alone, nearly 5,000 children and adolescents were registered using the route, more than seven times the number seen in January of last year. However, Colombia has denied a request by Panama's migration authorities to close the border to avoid the worsening crisis. Migración Colombia said that it is the third time the Panamanian authorities have made that request, but that Colombia maintains a strong stance in defence of free mobility and because if the border is closed on the Colombian side, migrants will become stranded in a bottleneck in the country, as has repeatedly happened in recent years. Though many migrants arrived in Colombia last year and many more passed through to cross the Darien Gap to Panama, outflow of Colombians from the country has hit record levels in recent months. There were more than half a million emigrants last year, according to the Conflict Analysis Resources Centre. Emigration increased by 95% between 2021 and 2022. 35% of emigrants are between 18 and 29 years old, 29% are between 30 and 40, 19% are minors. Those were your top stories, more next week. But for now, let's get into this week's interview with ZZK Records. on guys thank you so much for coming on the show hi i'm uh, guillermo canale <clears throat> dj nim from cck records i'm grant duel uh co-founder creative director of zzk and records. in a little bit we will have davinson from colombian band los cotopla boys one of zzk's latest signings you guys are here because zzk records is celebrating a big anniversary this year it's 15 years but let's go right back to the beginning how did this all begin ZZK Records was born from a weekly party in Buenos Aires that was started by myself, DJ Nim, and a third Argentine DJ named Villa Diamante, or Diego Bulacio. We wanted to create a space where we could focus on and promote new Argentine uh, producers, and so we had anything from drum and bass to dubstep to cumbia to reggaeton to hip-hop it was kind of everybody's um personal music taste like neem's music taste diego's music tastes and my music tastes all kind of coming together onto a weekly uh dance party 
And very quickly, we realized that Cumbia was、um, a crowd favorite and some of the more interesting musical creations that were coming out of our、um, curated producer lineup or DJ lineup or MC lineup every week were very Cumbia heavy as well. And so, very quickly, about a year into the club, we decided that we would, we would do a compilation. And the compilation originally was, was just going to be for journalists and DJs and、uh, press people, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, we decided that that compilation would be the genesis to a record label. So, we threw together the first album very quickly. Um, we curated around 16 tracks from 16 different producers. Starts with a Chancha song. And、um, we put out the album and we went on tour. And、uh, the rest is、uh, kind of history. And Grant, I mean, some of our listeners might have noticed that, that you're not Argentinian. So, what were you doing in Buenos Aires? What took you there?、Um, <clears throat> I went down to Argentina to. Find adventure essentially to find something that was inspiring. And、um, I, I found it in Buenos Aires. I found a, a, an amazing city、uh, full of life, full of culture.、Um, just I, I wanted to basically live the life that I was reading in books. I never worked in music and I had never been to Buenos Aires. I went on, a, on an impetus, on a whim, or on、uh, the wind blowing me that way. And it was essentially. Via a book and a song. I, I fell in love with Borges. And then around three months later, I heard a song on the radio when I was really like last couple months deciding where I wanted to go、um, in the world. And it was,、uh, was Astor Piazzola. Basically, I started a bilingual arts and culture website called What's Up Buenos Aires. What's Up Buenos Aires was a daily、uh, curated. List of what was going on in Buenos Aires at the time. And it was in English and in Spanish. And this was the early days of the internet where you really didn't have this information at your fingertips. And so, what's up, Buenos Aires? Basically, with the influx of so many foreign travelers in Argentina at the time, this is post recession 2004, became kind of a bohemian hotspot for, for young, you know. Culture travelers, it kind of took off like within the first couple of weeks. You know, we had a following and we got some nice press, and、um, it kind of just started taking taking flight. And、um, through the website, I started throwing parties because that's what you do when you run a culture website you start promoting it with shows and parties and activations around the city. And,、um, you know, I probably did a hundred parties and shows before I met. Uh, Diego and Guillermo. And with that meeting, the, the, the idea、um, of Zizek was born. Zizek is, is the name of the party. We named it after the contemporary Slovenian philosopher Slavov Šišek as kind of an ode to his、uh, mashup philosophy, but also kind of like an inside joke between the three of us. And、um, that was basically you know, the, the genesis of the label as well. So, yeah, it all kind of just folded into my love of culture,、um, music, and、um, dancing. I was going to say, because there is, you know, in the Genesis, and I think still in the identity of the label, there's a focus on people still dancing and getting together to dance. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, dancing is, you know, it's medicine. It's,、uh, 
there's not there's not a better feeling than being lost in the music uh on a dance floor surrounded by other people who are having similar you know energies and sensations and just kind of you know forgetting about everything else that's going on in your life and just dancing and so dancing is a powerful tool and to this day the label is all around basically what the storytelling is about these artists who are amazing and uh and and the dance floor right so you've got this label that's latino music co-founded by an american and named after a slovenian so what's the identity how did you start to kind of collect sounds and and visuals around this identity yeah well this is very this is very the three founders it's literally like we all came from such different backgrounds and all had such different kind of world views and you know views of what we considered to be a good party and so it was really just Diego and his kind of mashup philosophy of everything goes freestyle no rules which I love essentially like that's I'm on board with that and then Guillermo who's very you know he's he's one of I consider to be one of Latin Americas or Argentina's just quintessential ARs and so he's got his ear always to the underground he's always looking for the next sound he's he's you know he's having dialogues with the artists he's curating he's finding new talents um you know very urban very very urban and buenos aires uh and and kind of like world and argentine at the same time and then myself as as an expat so it's just a it was just like three very forward thinking open minded music lovers where we all kind of all had access to different scenes because i was doing the website and diego was djing five times a week and guillermo was essentially just collecting the best sounds from around argentina and the world and so we got we kind of all brought that kind of just vision to the table and that was the that was like the outcome was was zizek was the party myself uh, i i am a jungle dubstep grime uh, and breaks uh, broadly DJ. So that was <laughs> my my uh, part of 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 the odds that um, ended uh, being ZZK party and records. Ay, 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 so can you guys describe to me just kind of paint a picture of those early parties who who came who was the crowd what were the venues like the moment where we began the party were uh, uh, tough times in Buenos Aires because there were an an accident uh, in which uh, hundreds of people died in in a discotheque. So there were almost no spaces, legal spaces, discos or venues or bars, um with a possibility of people dancing 
uh, it was almost a year and a half where uh, there were no uh, legal parties because uh, or, or very few. So uh, I found um, uh, a tangeria, uh, a space for for tango, for for tango dancing and 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 music in general, but it only had uh, available Wednesday. So <laughs> it was like, well, uh, shall we um, take a chance to to make a Wednesday? night party in Buenos Aires. Uh, I think when we started, we had um, uh, 80 people, 100 people. Uh, we had our first 200 people many months after that. So for for the space and uh, the, the 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 kind of night we wanted it it was perfect, and people danced danced like nowhere uh, uh, there were nowhere uh, watching. Uh, people in comfy clothes and comfy shoes. Uh, the, the the party orbited around the dance floor, and. Uh, it was uh, very special because uh, well, because of the Villa Diamante um, approach to dance floor that was freestyle, uh, reggaeton, dance called hip hop, all mixed. The main uh, hours of the of the venue were taken by Villa Diamante and the the artist uh, who we invited. And those were, uh, uh, as Grant said, uh, producers that were uh, experimenting with uh, cumbia and Native uh, American, um, um, Argentinian folklore, and they were doing, but mainly cumbia. They were uh, doing all kinds of um, contemporary uh, approaches to to uh, that heritage. Uh, Cumbia is from Colombia, but it has influenced uh, all over the continent. And here, particularly in Argentina, we had a, a Cumbia Villera, that's uh, Cumbia from the slums, uh, a rougher and uh, raw kind of, of, of cumbia with a heavy and harsh uh, scenes and a very basic and um, effective kind of cumbia. Also, besides cumbia villera, there was this kind of weird art house left field cumbia scene that preceded us starting to come into uh, evolution called we, we can call it cumbia experimental or experimental cumbia so we had a very a very weird left field take on cumbia that was inspired not only by colombian cumbia and the cumbia from around latin america the the argentine cumbia villera that that guillermo mentioned earlier 
but also this really weird experimental cumbia. And so our, our, once again, our kind of like this vision of the dance floor and vision of music was we like the weird stuff. Like, you know, like we're not trying to like throw parties with pop music or just normal, normal stuff. We want, we want the weird new experimental kind of wacky stuff. So the curation of the party was, was that. And immediately there was a response from the dance floor. I remember having some friends that played in rock bands that, that would come up to me and say, thank you so much. This is, this is the only place that we can go out and dance cumbia because there was no other place in town that a bunch of long haired kids in tight jeans would be welcome to go and dance cumbia in Argentina at the time. And uh, so we created this, you know, like it's, it's just a great story of any good party. We created this safe space for anybody and everybody to come and enjoy the music without prejudices, without, you know, uh, egos. And, and like Neem said earlier, it's just the music was the common denominator and the dance floor was, was the space. And that's, that's what, that's what, that's the energy that the label was created around this kind of just this great energy on the dance floor and this really weird new cumbia, which not only the local crowds love, but eventually international. Like it, it was um, a, a forming scene around us that um, had a lot of uh, vision, talent, and uh, that was what uh, what inspired us to um, to make the, the the first compilation too. The, the amazing unreleased music that were around us. So the label was just really built on that kind of like, oh, there's not only do people love it at our parties, but internationally, people are like really starting to get into this. The, the only um, viable business were at the time the big, big, big business. Uh, pop artists, uh, uh, rock bands, and um, only the um, the mainstream. So that was the environment in in which we uh, began releasing music. Literally, uh, one of the mission statements of the record label when we first came out was, "Why start a record label in a dying industry?" This was 2008, where you know, Napster and the CD and the first iPod was coming out and all the technology was changing so rapidly. Like the old system was gone. It was, it was in the grave. It was done. Like people were not selling $20 CDs anymore. How has this very rapidly changing technological environment affected what you guys do and how you work? The internet was, was blurring lines and information was traveling from you know, Buenos Aires to Tokyo to New York to Bogota at the speed of light. And it was also, you know, the, the internet was our was our platform for the record label because Argentina geographically is very, very, very far from everybody else. You know, the people were asking for more uh, mixtapes and downloading our MP3s. And it, we just kind of like, um, you know, created this, this machine at the core our team is is three or four people, and and of those three or four people, every everybody has other jobs. You know, like it's not it's not an easy thing to 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 release weird weird new music from Latin America and, and make a business out of it. 
I think after 15 years, finally we are, you're, you're almost forced to, to, to play the game of the new platforms and, um, then, you know, all the technology that surrounds music and keep up. Yeah. And you guys do still sell vinyl and t-shirts and you still sort of do live events. There's as much as it's very tech savvy, there's an old schoolness too. Oh, a hundred percent. There's definitely a, a, there's definitely a, an element of old school and we like that. We like, um, selling vinyls. We like, um, you know, making t-shirts. We like throwing parties. We like doing shows. We like touring with bands. You know, we're any, anytime we can, you know, support the, essentially the genesis of the label, which is getting people dancing and feeling good. We're not looking at the you know algorithms or crunching the data every day. We're just making good music and, and, and putting out, you know, good art and then hoping that that finds its audience. You know, the movement out of Buenos Aires to come to where we are now in, in Colombia, you guys have been doing loads of work in Colombia, particularly last year, and you've got lots of Colombian artists working with you now. A hundred percent. It is a very Colombia heavy uh, record label right now, which I love. It, it took the weird Buenos Aires experimental cumbia for me to, for us to finally get to Colombia. We were when we were when the label was starting. We were very much a fan of what was happening in Colombia. We were playing a lot of their tracks. Colombia has always, always kind of been present and at Zizek and at ZZK. Um, from the early days, we were you know spinning some of the records that were coming out of Colombia at the time. Um, I, I remember putting, I think, my first kind of primetime DJ set. And I think I played a sidestepper song, if I'm not not mistaken, and people just losing losing it. Um, so we were always we were always uh, connected to Colombia and musically, and also there were a lot of Colombians at our at our at our club night. I remember having some friends in Almagro that ran a little arepa restaurant, and I love these guys. And they would come to our shows every week, and we had Colombians at our shows, and so there was always a dialogue with Colombia, but. It, we never were able to work with Colombians until years later. You know, we were we were friends with some of the some of the artists over there who are now you know huge like Bomba Stereo and and Pernet and Sidestepper, and you were kind of following along with what they were doing. But it, the road that led to Colombia was was once again just all about the music and and I you know it our first Colombian act was 2000 I want to say 17 or 18 and it was Me Too. Julian Salazar, ex-Bomba Stereo, and Franklin Tejador from Palenque, who had created this amazing electronic, the Afro-Palenque Colombian outfit that, you know, blew our mind. It's it's such a, you know, as you know, because you're there, it's such a, a musical, just a hotbed of so many different sounds and so many different ideas and so many different um rhythms and cultures and ethnicities and all that coming together in a very modern way so i've i've been a huge fan of of colombian music forever 
Um, and now, you know, Me Too was our first and then Ghetto Kumbe um, and then Los Cotopla Boys, which for me was once again coming back to Bogota and participating in a scene that I had been such a fan of. Um, and uh, since 2018, it, it kind of the floodgates were opened. And so I, I, I often get invitations to come to Colombia to participate in some sort of conference or masterclass or, or, you know, what something industry wise. And every time I go, I end up, I end up signing a new artist, which, um, and, you know, after me too, we ended up signing Ghetto Kumbe and after Kumbe, Ghetto Kumbe, we ended up signing Montoya, who's from Pereira, who lives in Italy. And then eventually, uh, running in the park in 2021 or 22, I forget, uh, I started listening to Los Cotopla Boys. And I told, I've told Davidson this story. Was, I just, it became my soundtrack to, to my, my, to my Bogota daily experience. And I have always been a huge fan of the experimental alternative cumbia scene in, Bogota, I think it's one of the best scenes in the world musically, not just the cumbia scene, but just the scene, the music scene in in, in general. And um, Los Catopla Boys was kind of like an opportunity for us to finally put something out from that scene that we love so much. studio Davinson from Los Cotopla Boys. Welcome Davinson. How's it been working with ZZK? It's been great. I mean we've been we've been together like grants since 2021, I think so. And I mean it's been more than a relationship of work. We just became like friends with the same uh you know we have the same uh like goal, you know? We just want to put our music out there. We want to expand um how the public um how 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 to get our cumbia music to the world so that's we have the same goal and it's been amazing because every time we meet up we always um get like this new type of goals to go to other country to you know how can we get our music to other audiences because mm, I, I know we all like to pretend it didn't happen now and not talk about it but, you know, for a big dance label that runs a lot of events, something pretty bad happened and we were all stuck inside. So have you found that as the pandemic eased or as, you know, restrictions around the pandemic at least eased, has there been a rejuvenation? Davinson, what have you felt in, in crowds as, as you came back into live performance? I think for live, I mean, since the pandemic, it's been, it's been difficult, a, a lot of things, not only... Uh, releasing music but also touring and I mean we we have new challenges but I think throughout like since we released our record with uh, not only with CZK but 
the first time we released music was actually in the middle of the pandemic. It was June of 2020. So, I mean, there are new ways and new strategies, but we, we've been trying to stay alive. And I think we, we have done a good job <laughs> since then because uh, not only we are able to still tour, but we are able to, you know, to keep on doing music. So I think that's actually a privilege. I think like inevitably running a record label that is centered around communion and dancing and feeling good. I think it's a great time because people are so needing that feeling of being out again and enjoying life and dancing and going to shows and finding new music. And so, you know, I, I had a talk yesterday with a distributor here in LA and it's just like music is, music is never going to suffer so much that it, it will die. You know, like music is an essential part of, the fabric of of humanity almost it's like we need it we need it to and um the the live music uh industry has come back roaring you know like tours are it's 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 as difficult as ever so it's not an easy it's not an easy scenario to make work but if you can make it work and if you can put in the time and the energy and even the investment to to keep going and to keep, um, you know, touring and putting music out and, and building your audience. I think it's a, it's a great time here in LA, like shows sell out super fast because people are so hungry and so ready and so needing these bands and these artists to be a part of their lives again. So, you know, it, there's, there's, a, there's so many ways that you can paint the picture and tell the story. And, you know, it, it's, it's, been terrible for you know a, a lot of different things but i think when it comes to music in general i think the pandemic was was like a before and after moment you know like um we all realize that music is is as important as as anything you know and so for a record label that needs to put out music and needs to get people onto dance floors and um, you know, wants people to, to, to enjoy life and feel good, which essentially is, you know, why else do you run a record label if it's not to <laughs> have fun and enjoy life? Um, you know, we're, we're as inspired and as busy and as creative as we've ever been. Right. So Davinson, how do things look and feel to you on the Bogota scene? Right now, I mean, the, the scene that I do with my band is like alternative cumbia. Um, there are right now the, the guys that are like 20 years plus above us, which are Frente Cumbiero, Meridian Brothers, Los Pirañas, those guys been doing this like for almost 20 years or so. And all those guys are amazing, are also our influences. Um, they are they sometimes play on our hometown, but they are used to doing now more international tours uh, and big venues, most of all. Um, but Something that is good from those guys is that they are our influences, influences, and because of them, we are now a band, you know? So now my generation, uh, bands like Sonora Masuren, Conjunto Media Luna, La Nueva Estudiante en Electrónica, we all do alternative cumbia, and you can now see like people my age doing 
some of new projects, but with that influence of uh, they call the 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 journalists call that genre like tropical cannibalism. I don't know if that is a world for you, <laughs> but that's yeah, it's really it's it's a fun one. Um, but now what we are, what I want to see, and I've been talking to colleagues, to my my teammates, is like okay, how can the Gen Z guys do another type of of this alternative cumbia, you know, we've been talking about that. And I mean, it's, it's still too early, but uh, we are thrilled because these guys are doing now things with uh, Mexican music. I'm seeing now more uh, also hyper pop and all of that, what is doing around the world. And the Gen Z's now are doing like those type of bands. But the, the Colombian scene right now in alternative cumbia, I think is a really nice, hype one and is actually really active. I mean, we, what, what I was telling you, what the Meridian guys and Frente Cumbiero guys are doing right now that is touring the world, we are like scratching the atmosphere now with our, we are now touring Mexico for the second time. But for us, that is like a really great goal. And, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in our dreams that we were going to do a second tour to Mexico with our first record. So you can tell the the music scene is really is really active and alive. Right. And in terms of the music you're making, how does your generation differ from the generation of, of Meridian Brothers? I actually did a, an interview with um, Eblis for this podcast last year, um, which was really interesting. And I listened to a lot of a lot of their music, obviously. Um, how has it evolved? What's changed in the approach to, to Cumbia between that generation and yours? Wow, that is a great question. <laughs> I think um, maybe the elements of our own experiences as uh, millennials, you know. So talking about the our day-to-day life with the uh, social media, we talk about that in our songs and with the musical things. Um, I think we maybe we have like a dembo type of beat in our th- in our songs. I haven't seen that in those guys. But, um, you know, because it's natural for us um, to incorporate some of the reggaeton type of beats, some of the, uh, I don't know, maybe more kind towards the the new music coming out. We are actively um, hearing those type of beats and we are not scared of using them now. It's not that those guys are really tight. It's not about that, but I think, uh, the new music and the new generation are always trying to incorporate what they are listening in their in their in their you know day to day life into their a new type of record. There's a couple of projects here in Bogota that uh, are doing like their own type of thing in the hyper pop and whatever. And I know those those kids listen to a lot of European DJs. Uh, actually K-pop more like from the culture rather than from the music because K-pop is really like uh, more like pop melodies and these guys are crazy when when I listen to their projects it's it's, it's not really pop so so I think it's more like the type of uh, of culture and the images from the K-pop scene that they uh, incorporate. So is the other major event that you guys have overlapped with um is the rise and explosion of reggaeton. 
which is now, you know, a bigger cultural influence than almost any other genre, even in Europe. Um, has that affected or been incorporated into the the kind of music that you guys are making? Yeah, not so much. I mean, you know, a r- rising tide lifts all ships. So the bigger the bigger the Latin music thing gets, it's it's positive for everyone. Um, and you know, we like we like some of the weird reggaeton, and there we have some reggaeton tracks on ZZK, and there's a Dimbo beat, and you know, I, I love I love um, I love weird music, and and uh, I love Dimbo, and I love reggaeton, but like the pop sensation, it's not really a part of our day to day or narrative. Um, nor have we, you know, even dipped our toes into that, into that world. Um, I know it's starting to, to kind of cross over into our world a little bit. And so there are some artists that, you know, come from this alternative cumbia, um, lane that are now in that, you know, big, big pop, pop reggaeton world. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I sit on I sit on panels all the time with this like with this reggaeton explosion, and essentially it's it's positive for us, but it's not really a part of our a part of our day to day. And over the course of fifteen years, with parties in I don't even know how many countries you guys have run them. Are there nations that respond in a certain way, and others that respond in a different way to these parties, or like Scandinavia, for example, like you know. Summertime in Scandinavia is one of the most exciting and fun and bacchanal things I've ever seen because those guys are cooped up in their houses nine months out of the year and they cannot wait to get out and dance and party and enjoy life. And those guys dance their faces off <laughs> when we when we go and tour there. Um, and I think, you know, it's that Latin American vibe and culture and music that those cultures don't have. And, you know, somebody like Los Cotopla Boys or Meridian Brothers or just it's wild, fresh, innovative, different, fun um, culture. You know, when it all comes down to it, music is a way for us to travel through cultures that we may or may not have been. You know, we've we've always kind of said that ZZK works because we have so many different kinds of fans. You know, we have fans that are Latin music lovers, urban music lovers, world music lovers, electronic music lovers, and I guess like experimental too, because it's weird. Um, and so we kind of tick so many different boxes of of music fans, and that's that's why it works. And sometimes, of course, you go to a, a city like Los Angeles or Chicago or Houston, and it'll be very Latin heavy. I remember seeing the Meridian Brothers here in LA, which were going to do their next show as a part of our ZZK 15 celebration. And it was like, it was all Colombians and Latin Americans. It was like, oh, wow, there's like a thousand Latin Americans out, you know, supporting and dancing to to the Meridian Brothers. So what's coming up for you guys in Colombia? How are we celebrating 15 years? So we want to throw some parties. Um, we are going to put out some, some great music this year, um, from Colombia. We want to bring some of the bands in Colombia to different parties around the world. You know, hopefully we'll throw a party in Venezuela. Hopefully we'll throw a party in Peru. Hopefully we'll throw a party in Buenos Aires, um, Europe, um, you know, pretty much 
talking to uh, a bunch of different cities and a bunch of different continents. We would love to throw a party in Medellin and another party in Bogota. And who knows, maybe maybe some other parties in some other cities if we find the right promoters. Um, but that will be probably the second half of 2023. So we started the, the year pretty good going to Mexico, to Carnaval of Vaidora, and we're going to stay two more weeks in Ciudad de México and in Cuernavaca. We're actually going to play, we're going to share the bill with Son Pepera, which they are also from CZK. They are a marimba, cumbia, alternative band. They are a great band, so everybody should check them out as well. So we are sharing the bill with them in Cuernavaca. So we are pretty excited about this first new tour that we are doing. And the whole year we are trying to promote the vinyl that we that we show on August with CZK. And so having a vinyl with your van is actually something pretty special. So we are planning to promote it the whole year on different cities. Nice. So final question. When you first started this Wednesday night party of unreleased music in Buenos Aires, did you ever imagine that 15 years later you would be running this international record label? I, I, I'd say that no. <laughs> I, I also, I agree. I would say um, never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a no, I, I wouldn't, I would never have thought that we would, you know, be able to, to keep this going and to, 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 to run a, a, a really independent kind of grassroots record label. But at the same time, 15 years later, it kind of feels right. So some strange cosmic way um there's a yes somewhere deep down inside that i can only only realize at at certain certain moments like this that power of music and the power of friendship and the power of camaraderie and the power of hard work and blood sweat and tears that that has made this journey possible um, you know, I, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's a yes for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, you already know, I'm a huge fan of a large number of artists on the label and very much hope that there will be another 15 years. And if that is the case, what are we going to be seeing? Yeah. So, you know, we made it this far. We might as well keep going. Right. Um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of great music in, in the works. Uh, we have, on paper 20 20 releases from next week to september already on the calendar this year some of them are going to get tweaked a little bit but by 20 releases i mean singles and albums and so we we sit we typically set up an album with two or three singles and we release an album so we're going to have our busiest year in a decade easily um, we're going to put out music this year from some new countries that we've never put music out before like bolivia uh and uh venezuela um and the usa uh jackie mendoza's album comes out in about a month uh she's our first american artist she's mexican-american from san diego tijuana and um we're signing some new artists hopefully uh hopefully getting into brazil which has been a dream of mine for a long time i actually lived in brazil uh when i was in my 20s um, and we're going to put out a documentary this year as well about, uh, the Bolivian artist Luz Mila Carpio, 
who's our first legacy artist. Uh, she's been making music for 50 years, and we're going to put out her album, which was made in Buenos Aires, by the way. That's a Buenos Aires-La Paz uh, collaboration. And we're actually launching uh, two new ventures this year. One just went on online today. Um, it's a, We soft-launched it, but we're going to hard-launch it in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're creating a new branch of the label called ZZK Culture. And ZZK Culture is essentially everything that we do uh, around storytelling. It's the intersection between entertainment and education. And so we're talking to a couple different venues in different cities that eventually we'll bring to Colombia. And it's more about the music in a way that you can experience it, not just on stage, but you know, visually and uh, on, with a talk and with an installation and with a documentary. And so we're kind of combining all of this really fun, exciting storytelling that we do at the label, which is essentially, you know, one of the most fun parts of the label is connecting to this music and then being able to share it with the world. We're going to be launching that uh, with the with the ZZK Culture um, branch of the label. And with that launch, we're also launching a, a support site. And so instead of crowdfunding all these crazy projects, which we've done, I think, seven or eight times, we're going to have a constant support uh, online presence where people from around the world that love what we do can support. They can support a record, they can support a film, or they can support a culture project. And so that's kind of the future of ZZK. The, the future of ZZK is, is to continue to put out great music but also to, to continue to tell these great stories. And, you know, inevitably, if you if you can't go to Colombia, then we're going to bring Colombia to you. We're going to put it in a, you know, a, a venue in Montreal or in New York or in Paris or in London or in Buenos Aires. And uh, you're going to be able to get to know these artists in a, in a, in a way that, you know, online is great. And of course, there will be an online presence to this to this uh, initiative. But we want we really want to bring these stories to life in a way that um, is exciting and fun and and very, you know, uh, very in demand right now. We're seeing that these hybrid storytelling, um, you know, art meets culture meets music meets exhibition is is kind of a, a thing right now. And uh, we want to be able to provide that service in a way that only ZZK can. All right. And Guillermo, where do you see 15 years more of ZZK leading? Well, uh, we have uh, some secret project uh, <laughs> with Grant that is uh, releasing um, Latin American electronic music aimed to the global dance floor. It's, uh, it's going to be a new series of releases, binary releases, and of course, platforms and and, and so uh, that it's called it, it's gonna be called Torna. Um, and uh, speaking about uh, Colombia, the first the first release is it's gonna be a Colombian artist called Hermetics uh, Santiago Nino, who is currently living here in in Buenos Aires, and. Um, it, it it is gonna going to be a, a new series of releases uh, 
not that uh, folk, not that cumbia, not that, um, uh, but uh, electronic. And I'm I'm very excited about that. And speaking with uh, new artists and uh, giving the chance of traditional artists or established artists to to give us uh, some uh, gems that they may have in in, in their hard drives, uh, things that may may not got into their albums or or experimental music. So we are expanding our our spectrum. Amazing. Well, congratulations on 15 years. And thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been great to chat to all three of you. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been amazing to talk. Thanks so much, guys. Ciao. 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 So that is all from Columbia Calling for this week. But I am going to leave you with an exclusive preview from ZZK. I absolutely love this one and I really hope you enjoy it too. It's the brand new track from their artist Montoya featuring Lydia Gongora and it's called Sonye.
junto a mis sueños Ve y pinta de colores a este mundo gris Ve y píntalo conmigo The Colombia Calling Podcast is sponsored by Latin News a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling Podcast is also proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Colombia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation, and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand, from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's columbiacalling.co, or the Plan My Trip form on the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions, and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you again. Thank you again.